listened to Linus and Lucy and then heard Linus tell us the, the meaning of Christmas. It's amazing now when you look at what's on television now compared to what was on television in the 60s. And we thought the 60s was bad, uh, but, but I don't think that allowed them uh, to, to do it quite that way. It's good to have our kids home from college. That was a mixed Treveca Olivet group, right? Yeah, so you don't see that too often. What's been your big events of the past year? Last year, when you think about the big events of, of the past year, what were they? Now, I had several big events this past year. Now, I was talking to the boys uh, this week, and last spring we had Jerry Lucas. I watched a basketball game with Jerry Lucas sitting on my couch. That was kind of cool. That was a you know, big event. But besides that, we had big events like Wyatt got engaged, Dylan graduated from high school, you know, big events. We sold our house, all, all these big events of life. And, and I think when we look back, at what's transpired in the past year, we will focus on those big events. But the truth of the matter is that this is a small percentage of our life. It's not everything. It's not every day. A small percentage of our life are these big, extraordinary events. But the majority of our life is made up of ordinary events, right? Mundane events? Are you guys tracking with me? Somebody say amen just to make me think you're awake, okay? We've been looking at why Christmas. And we, we've been examining it through, the diff- through different aspects of the story. Not, not crucial theological aspects necessarily of the story, but aspects of the story. And we've been asking why. why. Why did God choose to do it in this particular way? Because Christ came to earth in the manner that God chose for Christ come to earth. And in that story, there's certain aspects that make us ask why. And, and so Joe began with why Zacharias and Mary, and why John the Baptist, and why the need to prepare. And, and Christy talked about why the journey, why the difficulty of the journey to, to Bethlehem. God chose that for, for Mary and Joseph. And, and last week, Josh talked about the shady women, and you can read that, listen to that online. If, if the title's not enough to make you listen to it online, I don't know what else it would be. But, but, but all these things ask us or cause us to ask why. And, and today, we're going to talk about the shepherds. Why shepherds? Why, why are shepherds such an important part of this story? And, and I want to thank Nancy for, for her... her um, picture graph that we've had every week and it's been so beautiful it's added such a a a good part to to this series and she's changed it week to week and we have a shepherd with sheep on it this week why shepherds and when you think about shepherds they weren't wealthy they weren't particularly wise you know you see the wise men the wise guys and and you can see well they were wealthy and they were smart but the shepherds aren't known for for being great intellectuals they're not known for having a lot of money They're not even really particularly theologically insightful. You you see Simeon intersect Jesus after he's born, and you see, ah, there's somebody that had a great deal of theological insight. And so because of his theological insight, God allowed him to see and intersect the life of Jesus. They're not even particularly religious people. 
As a matter of fact, shepherds, and see, in our minds, we don't think of shepherds in this way. We, we think of King David, and we think of uh, the good shepherd and the parable, and we, we, we think of shepherds in this very high theological, high religious, high spiritual light. But shepherds at the time of Jesus weren't seen in that way. Shepherds were religious outsiders. That they couldn't keep all the laws, all the rituals, all the rules, all the, the, the things to keep religiously clean in order to participate in temple worship. You think, oh, well, fine, they couldn't go to church. But, but to not to be able to go to temple worship in this age is not just a matter of, of not being able to go to church, but the temple represented the very center of life. It, it was, church was culture. And not to be able to participate in temple worship meant that they were really kind of excluded from society. As a matter of fact, shepherds weren't even allowed to always present testimony. And so you see these guys, and, and they, they, they intersect the life of Christ. They, they come to him on the night that he's born. And you have to wonder, why did God choose shepherds? Why were they included? They were just everyday, ordinary people without any particular special gifts, any special insights. Here's our main point this morning. God is more interested in your availability than your capability. Can you say that with me? God is more interested in your availability than your capability. Does that mean that our gifts do not matter? No. God pays particular attention to the gifts that you have, the special talents that you have. As a matter of fact, there's portions of the Bible that talk about how God's people's gifts, as they come together, create the body of Christ. So it's significant to God that this isn't about, oh, well, we don't have anything to offer, we don't have any gifts to give. As a matter of fact, God particularly gifts you for works of service in this world. but God is more interested in your availability than your capability. Because if we are not available, God can equip others to accomplish His task and His mission. You ever hear the the phrase, God God doesn't call the equipped, He equips the called? (laughs) And so God is uniquely, particularly interested in ordinary people who just make themselves available for God to use. Now, I've often wondered about the shepherds and and why God chose them. And and the one thing I've always wondered is, is we just imagine that these are the only people that God extended an invitation to. But but, but what if this isn't the case? What, What if God had extended an invitation to others to come see the newborn Savior and they just didn't have time? And so what you're seeing here is people who were willing to listen and follow and go. They were available. Ordinary and available. William Booth says, God must love ordinary people. He made so many of them. (laughs) 
If you're just an ordinary person today, raise your hand, okay? If they've not got their hand raised next to you, that means they're extraordinary. You need to ask them for a loan, okay? No, we're all just ordinary people, and that's, that's the significance of our, our vision statement is we're just ordinary people following Jesus, and, and we're loving as we go, and that, that somehow as we're ordinary people loving and following Jesus, he can do something with our lives that's extraordinary. God can use ordinary people who are available. And the thing I like about this church, the thing I love about this church, is there are so many, and don't be offended by this, there's so many ordinary people that are just serving God with the talents they have and the opportunities that he gives them. This past Sunday night, we were at the, the, the Gables. Is it proper, do, do we call like the Gables, is it still proper to call it like a nursing home? Or is it something else now? Somebody, somebody tell me. I'm going to be politically correct here, all right? The Gables, okay? We went to the Gables, and our kids sang. Can, can we show that clip? We sang Silent Night like 50 times last Sunday night. And I, and I don't know Kevin Green either. He was looking at the lyrics on his phone or checking fantasy football. I'm not sure there. You know, it wasn't Adele. You know, it wasn't some big, something that you would, uh, you'd put on TV and, and, and make a big deal about, but it was extremely impactful as our kids used the gifts that they had to minister to people who sometimes are forgotten. Ordinary people available to God. We're, we're full in this, in this church of people like that. This past month. I, I've done funerals for, for Evelyn Carsey and, and, and Jim and Evelyn are just ordinary people, but their ordinary life was made available to God and they've done just amazing, extraordinary things. We're, we're standing, we're sitting in a building that because of Jim's service, he's had a major hand in us worshiping in this building together. And they're just ordinary people using their gifts. This past week, I, I did the funeral for, for Sharon Moore, and I saw Terry back there somewhere, and, and, and Sharon and Terry are just ordinary people. And then you watch them serve, and in their service, because they're available to God, there's just extraordinary things that happen. People are ministered to. People are loved. People are cared for. Jean McBride, I tell you, I love Jean. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I was at the nursing home, and I... I preached, and and Jim and and Carol were, or Jean and Carol were there, and and um, and I believe um, Gail played the piano, and uh, I was watching Jean turning pages for people in wheelchairs. <laughs> uh, people will drop a book. Jean was all over that, picking up that book and turning to the right page and making sure they were on the right page. Just an ordinary person but he is available. Gene and Carol are available for God to use. And because they are available, God uses them. You know, God can use ordinary circumstances. These shepherds were working night shift. Anybody ever work night shift? Is there anything more mundane than working night shift? I've worked night shift. It's not just mundane. It's boring, right? These guys are working the night shift. And, and somehow, 
God can intersect the knife shift and make it this extraordinary spiritual event. A couple years ago, there was a movie out called The Secret Life of Walter Mitty with Ben Stiller. Anybody, anybody see it? It was actually a pretty good movie. And, and, and it's an old story. And, and Walter Mitty is this guy that has all these imagined things and imagined adventures. And his life's really kind of dull. And, and, and eventually in the movie, you know, he, he begins to have real life adventures. And you know, he, gets, you know, he jumps into the sea and there's a shark and he climbs a mountain and does all these things. And at the end of it, he's trying to find what the essence of life is. A, a photo that that captures the essence of life. And, and finally, when he finds the photo, it's him just simply sitting, doing his work. Now, now there's a lot of meanings you can take to that, but, but, but I think one thing you can take from that movie is this. The essence of life is not the big events, but it's the ordinary day-to-day life that we live. Because let's face it, life's not full of extraordinary events. But life is full of ordinary conversations and relationships. You know, my life, I, I've been blessed with, with some events that, that, you know, as I stop and think about them, they're just, oh. I woke up one night in the, at 3 o'clock in the morning. I was camping out at, at about 12,000 feet in the Rocky Mountains. And I can't, you know, I'm a claustrophobic, so I'm in a tent with like three or four people. And so I'm going crazy. <laughs> And so I get up in the middle of the night, and it's 3 o'clock in the morning, and, and the Rockies are just shining, like, like they're like glow-in-the-dark because of the moon reflecting on the rocks. And, and I'm, oh. it was a moment. But then I think about the conversations and the relationships and, and just the day-to-day life, and that can be extraordinary too. God can move in the midst of that. God can move in the midst of ordinary moments and ordinary circumstances among ordinary people. Romans 12.1, and I'm going to read this from the message today because I love how the message, how, how Peterson writes this. He says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Do you know God wants to sanctify and make holy the ordinary days that you live? The ordinary conversations that that God is interested in. When you go and eat today, when you go and get gas today, when you go to the grocery store this week, when you go to work tomorrow, when you just have ordinary, everyday conversations, do you know that God wants to sanctify them and make them holy and significant and special? Extraordinary? (laughs) That He wants to, to, to change them to something more. You know, embrace... And enjoy the big moments. Think about when I think about big moments. I, I don't know anybody that's had a bigger moment in our life in our church, but Debbie Griffith. Imagine winning an Olympic medal. <laughs> Wouldn't that be like pretty good, right? I don't see Debbie here, but I have a feeling if Debbie uh, would she would she would talk about the Olympic medal. It's important, but it's been the day to day life. 
that, that's been the most important because it, it's the most of our lives. So I, I have a formula for you today. Ordinary people plus available to God plus an ordinary circumstances equals extraordinary results. The shepherds were just ordinary people. Nothing special. Nothing that would make them stand out other than the fact we've all got little figurines of them in our house during the Christmas season, right? You know, they were ordinary people. Nothing that would make them step stand out or, or, or make us be drawn to them. And yet God uses them because they are available and they don't get so caught up in the mundane moment and they use that moment to encounter Christ. What made it extraordinary is the presence of Jesus. Yesterday I was um, at a basketball game. I was actually working at a concession stand at the basketball game, and I got relieved early, and so I went and watched Jagger Hicks play just a little bit, and, and Palmer, June, Palmer was actually talking to me. I don't know why. Uh, you know, she just must, you know, I'm not at the church, so she'll talk to me at a basketball game. And she had hand sanitizer. Hand sanitizer can really stink, can't it? Amen? That's a good time to say amen. Hand sanitizer stinks. And so it smelled, I mean, I, I just kept smelling coconut. And finally Palmer came over to me at that hand sanitizer, and she put just a little dab on my hand and insisted that I rub it in. My hands still smell from that hand sanitizer yesterday. Just a little bit. Just a little dab. Just a little significant, insignificant Heart can give you an extraordinary fragrance in the coming days, a lasting fragrance. We're going to have communion, receive communion, and, and my question for you, are you available for communion this morning? In 1 Corinthians 11, Jesus says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For wherever, wherever, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So Jesus is sitting at a table with his disciples, and, and it's bread and wine. And, you know, to us, it's, it's strange. You know, we, we don't gather around that every time we eat. But to the disciples, it was something that they gathered around every time they ate. At the end of the day, they, they would have a meal, a significant meal, and it wasn't a meal that they sat and ate in front of a TV with a TV tray. It wasn't something they ate on their own, but they gathered with those they loved and those they knew, and they had bread and wine, and they had these significant moments of relationship. You know, life's busy and you know, they're not talking with their family all, all day long. They're working, doing the things they need to do. But then there's that moment, it's the end of the day, and they sit and they gather. And it's significant. And it's special. And it's time together. And Jesus uses bread and wine, this significant staple. And I've got to ask you, what, what do you think? Do you think that, that the disciples, when they broke bread, 
only remember Jesus when they did it in the midst of a service? Or, or do you think, here's what I think, I think every time they sat down and ate and they had these significant relationship moments and they would break the bread and they would, they would share the cup, they would remember Jesus. And Jesus saying, you know, I want you to know that when you, when you eat this and you drink this, that I'm present. Communion. Communion is training. I mean, there's, there's a significant thing. Right, right now, we are in the presence of Christ, and, and, and as we receive communion, He is really present in our midst. We believe that. That Christ is here. And the receiving of communion, we have two sacraments in the Church of the Nazarene, two things that we do as a sacred ritual baptism and communion. This is significant. And in the midst of it, we're saying, Jesus is here. Jesus paid the price for my sins. And Jesus is coming again. So it's significant when we do it here. But not only that, it's training. I, I believe this. That, that, that what we're doing is, we, as we remember that Jesus is present in in this place, we're also remembering that when Jesus, when we gather in our significant relationships, that Jesus wants to be present in the midst of those as well. This week will be full of significant relationships, right? Right? Yeah, I mean, we're going to have, we're going to eat till we're sick. Praise the Lord. What if Jesus is wanting us to be aware that every time we gather with those that we love, that that he wants to be present in the midst of that, and in his presence, he can turn an ordinary day into something completely extraordinary. Folks, we're ordinary people. We are. But Jesus can make ordinary people extraordinary. So... As we receive communion this morning, and we're going to receive it by intention, I'm going to ask the team to come and play as we receive it. We're going to receive it from the back. The ushers will dismiss you from the back. And by intention means that you'll come and, and, and you'll dip uh, the bread in the fruit juice, the grape juice, and, and you'll eat it as you go back. I'm going to pray with us uh, that, that we're spiritually prepared. Uh, we, we are an open communion church. If you're a believer this morning, you can receive communion. You don't have to be a member of this church to, to receive communion. And so we'd invite you, as, as you want to, and your desire is to encounter the living Christ today, to, to receive communion with us. I'm going to pray with us, and, um, and then we'll be dismissed from the back and receive communion. And then, then I've got a couple short more words to say to you, and then we're going to sing a little bit more, and then we'll be through. Lord, bless us today as we receive these elements. Uh, help us to consider our hearts and our minds where we're at Lord, may, we, um, may this not just be a passing thing that we do, that, that somehow in the midst of communion we'll, we, we begin to think that it's a, just a here and now, but Lord, may it be a training time, a shifting of the way that we think. Uh, Lord, a, a way in which we learn how to value relationships because in the midst of relationships, you want to be present. You want us to love you and to love others. And, and Lord, most of life is just full of things to do. We'll work and 
accomplish the tasks that we have to accomplish, and we should do them well. But Lord, help us to understand that it's in the moments of relationship and love where we can truly love you and we can truly love others, that something very significant and lasting and eternal can occur. I pray, Lord, that you'll give us a peace this week. I know how frantic the week can be. And Lord, even, even myself this weekend, I've, I've thought of all the things I've had to do to get ready for a sermon and for an open house. And, and Lord, it's so easy to get caught up in the tasks that we, we miss the reason. Help us not to do that. Give us a fresh focus on you right now. And Lord, if there's anything that's, that's blocking communion and relationship with you, may we confess it right now. And, in, um, and true to your promise, Lord, may we allow you to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.